Redemption Church, 1230. How are we doing this afternoon? You guys are so much more awake than everyone else. And that is great because you have all the reason to be. It's 1230. Come on, somebody. Hey, disclaimer real quick. Actually, I've learned in the past three sermons, I say, come on, somebody, a whole lot to the point where I made a joke and I said, hey, count how many times I do that. And people have been doing it. So if you'd like to participate, Matt walked up to me and said 16 at the end, uh, at the end of the last service. Well, hey, my name is Trevor Knox. I'm so blessed to be here. But I got to say, I am so excited more than anything that you're here. Can we give it up for you? Because last night was kind of rough. Okay, that storm came out of nowhere. Okay, we didn't know what to expect. I woke up this morning, and uh, this happens every time I get to preach, but you never know how you're going to feel whenever you wake up. Okay, so I woke up this morning. Thank God I felt great. Come on, somebody. I felt good. I got my feet on the ground. I'm ready to go. I bought a shirt with a collar. Nobody else clapped for that. 1230, I love you. Yeah, yeah. But then I get to church and right away, stress begins. Okay. Our soundboard went down after the power went out last night. Was I stressed out? No. Until people started talking to me. <laughs> Trevor, what do we do? What do we do? Are you okay? Are you stressed out? I'm like, no, actually not. I'm the chillest one in the room. One thing, uh, I learned something cool and that's why people preach with a pup table and not a little stand because I can lean on it and I can be the chillest guy in the room. Okay, so I'm embracing that. Two, it does not matter what technology we have here. If we have people here ready to worship the Lord, God will show up. Amen? Amen. So let's expect good things today. Amen? Yeah. Come on, somebody. God is moving. He has already been moving this morning. He's going to do it again. So again, my name is Trevor Knox. I serve here on staff as the ministry director. I am indeed not Pastor Byron. Okay, I am the off-brand Pastor Byron. I'm the, uh, the Sam's Choice Pastor Byron, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, with the mustache, okay? That's, that's it. I'm not as gifted. Uh, I kind of I have a lisp, okay? Now that you've heard it, you can't unhear it. Sorry about that. Uh, but if it makes you feel better, close your eyes and just envision that it is Pastor Byron, and we're going to get through this together. Come on, somebody. But here on staff, as I serve, like I said, I serve here as the ministry director. That means I oversee all of our serve teams. Can we give it up for our serve teams? Y'all can't tell, I love starting a message out with praise. Come on, somebody. We have plenty, that's two, we have plenty of reason to praise, okay? This, our serve teams, you guys are the people that make the magic happen. We could not do what we do without you. Thank you so much, okay? A special shout out to our worship team. How good was that? Another special shout out to our production team. Come on, somebody. They were troubleshooting this morning. Nobody flipped. That's three. Okay, thank you, Jay. He's counting. Uh, they were troubleshooting. They did not stress out. They did not panic. And that, ha that pours down. And that means I didn't have to panic. Okay? So that's what I do here on staff. I get to oversee our surf teams. But I'm also actually responsible for everything that happens on a Sunday morning. So all Sunday operations, that falls under my job field. So technically, everything that happened this morning is my fault. It's my fault. Okay? At least that's how everybody else looks at it. Um, but if you have problems with how we do things here at Redemption, okay, if there is anything you want to bring to my attention, I want you to know you can always email me at Ethan Berwick. It's a human stork at redemptiontx.com. Just email me there, any of your complaints, and I would be happy to ignore you. Look, there's plenty of great churches around here. You don't? I'm just kidding. 
I love you guys so much. Please stay and hang out with us, and please answer your planning center request. It's fairly simple, and it helps us a lot. Even if you say no, come on, somebody. Anyways, I am blessed to be here today. Uh, I haven't gotten to preach in a while. It's been a little bit, but I wanted to assure you and promise you guys I have been working on my craft, macaroni and cheese. It's been a little while since I've preached. I've gained a few LBs since the last time I got to preach. Uh, so I do what any good disciplined Christian does, right? I neglect all fitness and I pray to the Lord, God, help me lose weight with an Oreo falling out of my mouth. But I'm happy to report, this is wild, it worked. The Lord answered. Because exactly one month ago to this day, on May 11th, I ended up contracting a viral infection that gave me a 103 degree fever for 11 days straight. My days were spent writhing in agony, uh, sweating through my clothes. I had a splitting headache that would not leave. And then it got better about seven days into that. I was also diagnosed with COVID. Who remembers COVID? Yeah, I didn't get that the first time around. This time around, it was not fun. Okay, <laughs> yeah, COVID's still a thing. So now I, am a, I have a viral infection plus COVID. I'm writhing in agony for 11 days straight. I uh, don't know what's going to happen to my life. Uh, I feel like I'm going to die. But by the end of it, the kid was 13 pounds down. Come on, somebody. The Lord answered. Okay, now obviously I'm kidding. Okay, the Lord did not curse me with a viral infection. He didn't give me COVID. But in that time when you're just laying there in, in, in the depths of hell, uh, you begin to talk to the Lord a lot. Amen. All right, the Lord ministered to me quite a bit during this period of time. Okay, it got me a chance to reflect on just who I am as a man, uh, the way I treat people, the way I operate, my, my walk in faith. Okay, and by the end of it, I actually had an entirely fresh new perspective, a fresh new needed perspective on my faith. And how fitting is it that today our title is How to Face Hardship with God's Help? Okay, and this was actually scheduled for me to preach two months ago. Pastor Byron wrote up the sermon calendar, and he, with the Lord's divine will, designed me, or designated me to preach this sermon. Now, I'm not saying that Pastor Byron concocted the virus. Gave it to me on purpose so I would have something to talk about. But, I'm on to you, you sneaky man of God, you, okay? Okay, but the good news is, I am alive, I am ready to preach this message. So if you have your Bibles, let's jump back into the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 through 14, and see where the Holy Spirit leads us today in our series fittingly called The Church. So I'm going to catch you guys up real quick before we jump into the text. It's a lot of Bible, so we're going to read it up front, and then we'll unpack it on the back end. But just to preface and kind of catch you guys up to where we are, maybe this is your first time. Um, in the book of Acts, now Jesus has been killed. He was crucified. He has been risen from the dead, and he has given the apostles the Great Commission. He has also given them the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. So now they are designated to go advance the gospel across the ends of the earth. So we see the apostles, uh, Peter and John. Uh, who was here last week for Pastor Daniel Gregory's message? Come on. How good was that? He got to preach about the lame man being healed. Okay, a miracle. we got to expect miracles. It was an amazing message that I get to follow talking about hardships. But it was so good. So that is where we are at now. Uh, Peter and John are continuing their journey, and they are actually preaching. So Peter is now preaching his second sermon. He's preaching his second sermon, but this time the religious leaders hear about it. They hear about the man being healed. They hear the sermon being preaching, and they are not happy. So let's jump in. Let's continue. 
the word says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. So these are the religious leaders of the day. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas and the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priest's family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today, considering a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Amen. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. I love that word. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So again, there is a lot to unpack here. Let's start with this. We see, this is what we see. We see the preaching of the gospel. We see signs and wonders being performed by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And this is followed by persecution. Peter and John are thrown in jail, and they're asked to answer for their apparent crimes. So we are witnessing the very first case of persecution against the church. The first recorded history of persecution against the church. Let's fast forward to today and ask, what does the persecution of Christians look like in the modern age? This is the first case. What does it look like today? Well, if you look outside of the Western world, sadly, you're going to see a similar fate to what happened to the apostles. You didn't know the apostles did not have a fairy tale ending. Okay, uh, preaching the gospel was very serious work and very hard work, and uh, most of them, if not all, or close to most of them, were tortured. They were beaten, boiled alive, crucified upside down, and martyred for standing up for the faith. Okay, um, if we look overseas, actually, just two weeks ago, there was a baby in North Korea that was thrown in jail for life because their parents were found with a Bible. So now that entire legacy, that entire generation, that family name are all imprisoned because of one Bible. This is persecution. Okay, what the apostles faced, being martyred, being tortured, this is persecution, okay? If we look at us here in America, what does persecution look like? At first, it's easy to scoff at. Okay, I actually asked this question in our Connect page asking, hey, do you guys feel like we are being persecuted here in America? And uh, all the great responses, great responses. But if I'm looking at me personally, what does persecution feel like as far as like Christianity towards culture? Like the worst I deal with is a dude with blue hair telling me I'm a bigot for voting against abortion. Oh, no. Or you hear Facebook, Facebook Bible verses are getting posted and then those are being... Um, Silence, so they're being uh, flagged for being offensive language, right? That's what we deal with, okay? At first, it's easy to scoff at. See, I can, like, joke about it, but the truth is, this is just how it starts, 
It's just how persecution starts. I didn't want to get super political today, but sometimes the word calls for that. Okay, we're in a political culture, and uh, you can't shy away from that. So here's the truth. The second we lose our freedom of speech, we lose everything. Remember what you're voting for. Okay, the second we lose that, this is what history tells us, what the Bible tells us. The second we lose our freedom of speech, we lose the right to express ourselves, the right to express our faith, and that's when our voices will begin to get silenced. Okay, so it's not a matter of if we're going to be persecuted. It's a matter of when. So we have to pay attention and we have to be prepared. Make no mistake, persecution is coming. We have to be prepared. So step one, prepare for persecution. Now bringing it back to a personal level. These are some of the things I reflected on in the midst of my terrible fever dream that I had for 11 days. Okay, I remember whenever I first got saved, when I first got saved, uh, was 2018, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, started going to church. Some of you know this, some of you don't. She started going to church. She got saved and became a completely different person, and I was witnessing it. Now, my background, I was uh, very anti-organized religion. I was an atheist, agnostic. Um, this is my entire uh, friend group. This is what I came from. And uh, sure enough, one day I upset my girlfriend, and I thought the best way I could make it up to her is by going to church. I'll do that. I'll go to church. And... Uh, the same thing happened to me just two months later. I received prayer from Meredith Ellis. And uh, the next day, all of my mental issues, so I've been depressed. I've uh, been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Okay? I have nonstop suicidal, th suicidal thoughts that would literally rule every single minute of my day that I was fighting against. And one day, the Lord flipped the switch and those were gone. He healed me. He healed me and he gave me a new purpose, a new passion, a new focus. And I didn't know what to do with it. But it was amazing. I was the annoying Christian. Okay, the baby Christian, the one who's telling you all the time about Jesus, cannot shut up about Jesus. That was me. Okay, and I was excited. I had this newfound community. I had this newfound faith. I had an understanding that the creator of the universe not only knows who I am, but he loves me. And he has given me a purpose. And that because of his sacrifice, I get to be here now and I can experience peace for the first time in my adult life. This is amazing. I was so excited. But those who weren't excited were my old friend group. You gotta remember where I was coming from. I had, I had a very close uh, friend group. They were not believers. And right away, they're like, I can't believe you fell for that. They were insulting my intelligence. They were insulting uh, my character. And I lost a lot of friends. Now, this doesn't sound nearly as bad as what the apostles went through or what's happening in Nigeria and Afghanistan and North Korea. But I will tell you that pain, and when you're experiencing it for the first time, is very sobering. Very real. Thank you, Papa Dave. Very real. <laughs> Should I interact with the audience like that? Like, thank you, Papa. My dog. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Okay? But uh, I still couldn't get over my life change, okay? I started serving. I started praying. I started giving. My whole life had changed. Guys, I started reading books. <laughs> if that's not life change, lose my number, okay? okay? I had too much to be excited about, but now my old friend group, they weren't as excited for me. So I had to look. How did Peter and John face this persecution? Well, did they back down after they were thrown in jail? Did they hide their beliefs? Did they try to conform now, they used their persecution as a chance to proclaim the gospel. 
Okay, this teaches us the same thing. Our persecution is a platform to proclaim the gospel. The authority figures ask, by what power or by what name did you do this? And without hesitation, it says that Peter instantly replies with, how do we heal this man? And why are there so many people receiving the words that I'm preaching? I did it by the power given to me by the man you innocently killed, who rose from the dead and is the one and only true God with the power to save. Mic drop, Peter. I wasn't supposed to preach with a mic today, but it's so fitting. Okay, You can do so many things with this microphone. It's rad. Okay, So mic tricks, I'll get ready for that. Okay, but Peter did not back down for one instance. Okay, so now back to my friend group. I actually have uh, one of my best friends. He was, he's like a little brother to me. We came up, um, I kind of mentored him coming up. Now, I did not mentor him in good things because, again, remember my background. But um, years have passed. I talked to him. He lives in Austin. I talked to him about every other month. Okay, so he gives me a, he actually uh, made the decision to get a cross tattooed on his face upside down right here. Okay? And he told me to my face, I hope you know everything that you stand for, I hate with everything in my heart. Okay? And he'll call me and we'll talk. Most of the time he's calling me, he's drunk. Okay? We'll catch up a little bit, but then it goes straight back into insulting me. Cutting me down, I just kind of take it on the chin. 10 minute phone call, whatever, love you dude, goodbye. Okay? This is what I deal with now with my friend. But uh, about three months ago he called me and the phone call was very different. Okay, he called me. <clears throat> He called me and his voice was trembling. He was crying. And he said, hey, uh, Trevor, my, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. I've already lost my dad. I cannot handle this. Do you think you could pray to your God that she would be healed? He came to me and asked that. I say, absolutely. So I pray with him. Hey, in the name of Jesus and because of his sacrifice, Lord, I am praying and believing that your mom can and will be healed from this diagnosis, that there's nothing too big for our God, that if he can change my life in a day, he can do anything. Now, is my friend a Christian today? He is not. Okay, he's not. I did talk to somebody in the lobby. They're like, hey, but one day when he does get saved, you can just extend the bottom of that and stretch it out. We have a, we have a big old upside right cross. Come on, somebody. But he is, not, he is not saved to this day, but I do know I planted a seed. And you have to remember, that's our only job. We plant the seeds, God will grow the harvest. God will, so do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged, but be prepared for persecution. This leads us to our next point, okay? Because we're called to do this, we're called to face this, we're called to carry this weight, but we're also called to be bold in our convictions. So we must be bold. The apostles were bold in their convictions. Not only did they stand up to adversity, but they proved they were willing to die for the sake of the gospel. I want a faith like that, amen? We've got to be bold in our convictions, but how were they so bold, and what exactly were their convictions? Well, once we read the verse, we find something very interesting and super important. First off, what are Peter and John actually being arrested for? Okay, what are they actually being arrested for? We have the miracle of the lame man at the beautiful gate. A man lame at birth, healed in Jesus' name in front of a massive crowd. People could not believe what they were seeing. The Holy Spirit is moving. Lives are being changed. Sadducees aren't happy. The high, the high priests are not happy. It says they were, in, in the Bible, greatly annoyed. Ever been greatly annoyed? Yeah, easy to relate to. That's where they're at, okay? Here's what's interesting. They weren't greatly annoyed because of the miracle or the healing they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
They didn't care about the miracle. They didn't care about the signs and wonders. They, they cared because of his preaching. The preaching that the man they killed came back three days later. The man they killed didn't stay dead. The, the man they killed came back with a power that ignited the generation to go and proclaim that this man was actually the Son of God and the only Messiah that's been prophesied since the beginning of time. This is why they're upset. Why are they so annoyed? Because it directly reflects what happened to Jesus in Mark chapter 3, where Jesus heals the man with a withered hand. Okay, Jesus heals him. It's an amazing miracle, and the Pharisees see it. They are not happy. What are they not happy about? Not because of the miracle. They don't even mention it, per se. They mention, why did you heal this man on the Sabbath? Why did you heal this man against our rules? Okay, if we want to be bold in our uh, convictions, guys, sometimes we have to break the rules. Turn to your neighbor and say, break the rules. I've always wanted to do that. There we go. Now, disclaimer, this doesn't mean we can go rob a bank in the name of Jesus. Some of y'all got a little too excited when I said that, okay? Kiddos, if you're near with your parents, listen to your parents, not those rules. Uh, Hunter, calm down. Uh, no, you can't add in the name of Jesus to a crime and say you're just being bold in your convictions. That's a felony, brother. Okay? In the Bible and in this verse, the reason the apostles are labeled as being bold is because in the face of opposition, they never shy away from the gospel and they never shy away from the resurrection. Okay, remember, friends, without the resurrection, we have nothing. The foundation to our core beliefs, everything stands and depends on the resurrection. Okay? This means it's not about the miracle. It's always about the message. It's always about the gospel message. Okay? If you've been coming to Redemption for a while, okay, you already know what I'm about to say. If you're new, you're about to learn. Okay, We love miracles here at Redemption. Amen? We love the, the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? We love signs and wonders. Come see us on a first Wednesday prayer night if you haven't. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Uh, if you were here this past first Wednesday, I mean, all the healings that happened, I'm pretty sure we're classified as a hospital now. It's a new tax bracket. Come on, somebody. But do not forget, we worship the giver and not the gifts. Like Pastor Michael Moore said a couple weeks ago, we must seek God's face before we seek his hands. And without the resurrection, we don't have anything. Okay, I love reading the debate of... Uh, it's a healthy debate. It's a fun debate of what is Jesus' greatest miracle, right? Was it, was it walking on water? Was it healing the blind man? Was it his resurrection? I believe that the greatest miracle that encompasses all of this, the greatest miracle to ever happen is that Jesus is who he says he was. That's why we cannot be timid or shy when it comes to our convictions. Guys, remember that. Jesus is who he says he was. We need that faith, okay? How much more faith do you need? If Jesus is who he says he was, that means everything in his word is true. And you've seen it. You see it playing out on a first Wednesday. You see it playing out on a Sunday. You should be seeing it playing out Monday through Sunday. Amen? Once we follow Jesus, he impacts your life. He, he breaks in. He breaks the rules. Okay? Anything is possible. But it all stands on the resurrection. I hate to get political again. But we see this too often with Christians trying to defend their political beliefs in today's culture. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I, I'm saying they're wrong, okay? Because here's what we see. This is the hill that people choose to die on, is that uh, abortion is wrong. You are killing babies. 
Correct. Um, gay marriage is against God's design. Correct. Uh, they get upset because people are using pronouns that are different than we've always learned in the history of human existence. Okay? It's true. The question is, don't get me twisted, where is the love? Where is the love in that? Okay? Now, when I say the word love, I do not mean tolerance. Okay? Tolerance is just a gateway for evil that gives it permission to enter. Okay? The more we tolerate, the worse it's going to get. When I say love, I mean the greatest love that anyone will ever experience, and that is the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Okay, we are so tied up in sharing our political opinions, we forget to mention the cross. That should be the first utterance that comes out of your mouth when we're talking about this. Okay, we see it way too often. The gospel is all you need when it comes to getting your point across. Okay, when I'm talking to my buddy with his upside-down cross, the very political person, okay, I don't argue with him the actual details. I can get there, and that's fine, as long as I mention the cross. As long as we circle back to the resurrection and what Jesus has done for us, and why I believe what I believe. Okay? Here's proof that we only need the gospel. Our church has grown like wildfire in the past two years. Amen? Amen. You're all a part of it. You're all a very important part of it. Now, if you look at our metrics, what's very interesting is when did our church actually start growing? It started when... Pastor Byron preached a six-week sermon series out of 1 Peter called Christians Are Crazy, where he covered every single taboo topic you can imagine. He talked about gay marriage. He talked about abortion. He talked about border rights. He talked about trans identity. He talked about all of it while always circling back to the gospel. So what happens after this? Explosion. People want the truth. People are hungry for truth. When I'm in my small group and... It's always a first week question, okay? Ethan does a small group questions. He always gives us the same one for the first week every year. Change it up, dude. What brought you, it's a good question. What brought you to redemption, right? And what do you love about it? Everyone always says the realness, the authenticity. Because we're just real people serving a real God who have real problems, amen? amen. During the sermon series, our mess, uh, during the sermon series that Pastor Byron preached, we did lose some people. That is always heartbreaking. It's always heartbreaking. It hurts. It stinks. There's people who have been coming here for years. They realize they didn't agree with our theology or that we took the Bible that serious. Okay, and they left. And that's heartbreaking. But what we gained is so much more. What we gained are people willing to run the race and to pursue the heart of God and are not afraid to stand up to truth. Okay, you cannot beat that. We don't need consumer Christians who are just coming in here consuming and leaving, right? We want people who are part of the mission because that's what the gospel calls for. And that's what we have here. Give it up for yourself. Come on, somebody. So if you're going out and standing up against political issues without proclaiming the gospel, you're not being bold. You're just being prideful. Repent. Don't forget you can't save anyone. Your views on the political spectrum don't mean, political spectrum don't mean anything if you're not being bold preaching the resurrection. The one true God who can save. Don't you think people deserve to hear that message? Okay, I know I'm not special. I got to hear that message, and that's what pierced my heart. Okay, how much more of a responsibility do we have to do that? Come on. This is a command from the Lord himself, right? Some of you, uh, you hear this. Be bold in your convictions. You're a little nervous. You're saying, I want to be bold in my convictions. I want to be a better example for my children, but I don't know how. Well, you made it to church. And I have good news. That's what we're, we're all about, good news here. Amen? Amen? I have good news. And that is, you're not meant to do it alone. That's why. 
Okay, you're not meant to do it alone because we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Point three. As Peter and John are being interrogated, our author of the section is, uh, actually it's Luke, and he's writing this part of Acts. And the first thing he mentions is that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit before he ever utters a word out of his mouth. Okay, so you might say, I can't do it. I can't face these hardships. I can't face this persecution alone. You're not meant to. It's good. You're not meant to. It's so important. Where do our convictions come from? Where does our courage come from? How do we hear the voice of God clearly? How do we interpret God's word in an honorable way? You don't, unless you have the Holy Spirit's help. Unless you have the Holy Spirit's help. Unless you have been saved and have been filled, you won't be able to decipher what it actually is that God wants for your life. We have been given the ultimate helper to help us discern and navigate the trials and tribulations that we are called to face. All right. It sounds encouraging. It sounds great because it is. But again, I'm going I'm to rewind and get real with you for, uh, for, from what I went through this past, this past month dealing with my fever. Okay. Again, 11 days is a long time for your brain to fry. <laughs> and I, I certainly felt fried, right? I couldn't read. I couldn't watch anything. I could barely listen to things that were hanging on my phone. It was a tough time, a very tough time. And once you're in that for so long... Uh, it starts to take its toll. And guys, I'm just being honest with you. I probably should have prefaced this at the beginning, but uh, the kid does not deal well with pain. Okay, I know you're thinking, but Trevor, you are the peak form of masculinity. What do you mean? You cannot handle pain. Look at you. You are an alpha, the leader of the pack. What do you mean you can't handle pain? No, none of that's true. I sweat eating hot Cheetos. This is who I am. This is who I am. And then another thing is uh, with, my, with, with my friend group here at the church, okay, I've always had this ongoing joke that I have an iron immune system because people are always getting sick around me and I just don't. Hallelujah. Up until I did, right? <laughs> but the pandemic happens, I'm flexing. Can't touch me. Flu season's around, never cared. Who needs a shot? Not me. As soon as I got sick, though, I'm instantly telling my wife, Kayla, It's over. My time here is complete. Lord, take me now. Lead me to the light, for I cannot take this any longer. She's like, calm down, dude. Take your Pedialyte Popsicle. Put this rag on your head. You'll be okay, right? My wife and my mom are completely catering to every need like I am seven years old. Give it up for moms and wives. Come on, somebody. Now, once again... uh, I had a terrible day. I, uh, I, I finally got fed up, and I'm like, I'm going to go to the ER. You know, I had already been to the doctor once. They're just like, viral infection, let it ride. Six days later, that's not cool, so I'm going to go back. We're about to head out. Yeah, not cool. Super whack. And on the way there, I have a blowout with two tires. <laughs> so I'm in the passenger seat while my wife's driving. baking in the sun, wondering when we can get there, and I'm just groaning and groaning. We had to wait for my mom to get off work and to come and pick me up. By that time, I had had enough. I had had enough. I finally get home after all of this, after the ER visit, and again, guys, uh, things got dark very quick, okay? The pain just became too much. The pain became too much. Um, I started questioning my path. I started questioning my call. I started questioning, is God going to comfort me here? I started questioning my faith. And that's never happened 
in the five years of my walk with the Lord. But I had been brought down to such a dark place. Uh, these are the things I started asking myself. And then I got an accidental phone call. You ever get those? And then you accidentally answer? You're like, Hunter, it's 5 a.m. You can tell me about this band you like later. Right? This can wait, dude. This can wait. Well, I got an accidental phone call, and it was actually not Hunter. It was, uh, it was uh, my best friend's mom, a member of our prayer team, Miss Lisa Berwick. She's right here. Uh, I've been waiting for you to be here so I can tell this part. Because it was great. It was actually the best thing to happen to me, the best accidental phone call I had ever answered because she called to show how much she cared. She was checking up on me. She literally said the words, I will do anything in my power to make sure you are okay. I'm like, anything? Really? Anything. And then, most importantly, she prayed over me while I'm on the phone. But she prayed for something specific that I had not thought of at this time. And that is to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, be filled again with the Holy Spirit for your comfort and for your peace. Guys, we think that once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, once you are saved, it's done. You're good to go. Let's rock and roll. Is that how life works? No. Is that how the book of Acts works? No. The apostles are constantly asking for a refilling of the Holy Spirit. A refilling of the Holy Spirit. This is what we are called to do. Because you know the days where it is too tough. You're too tired to face it alone. Guess what? God... He's giving you access right there. He's giving you access right there. And that gave me a reflection of everybody. It put into perspective everybody that had actually been reaching out to me. Okay, from the Barnes family to the Brack family to Anna Marino to the Selmans to our entire staff praying for me. I mean, endless phone calls I was getting. I just couldn't pay attention because I was dying. But endless phone calls of people checking up on me. And this made me realize the Holy Spirit is working through the people I love all around me. And they are going... At, a, at an enormous amount of effort to put in to make sure I feel I know I'm loved and seen. Just like the Lord does for us. Why is that happening? Because they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Hunter actually called me, and he had already helped me out before. He had already helped me, and he's like, dude, do you need anything at all? I'll just, I'll just come hang out with you on your bed. I'm like, Hunter, that's a terrible idea. The last thing. Who wants that? Who wants me decrepitly lying in bed while he's just at the end of it like, you better yet? It's not what I needed at the time, but he cared, and that's what matters. Right, right? Love that kid, love, love his heart, and the Holy Spirit is obviously working through him, right? What I was doing in this time, though, uh, I realized I was fighting a battle I didn't need to fight because I was in the spiritual warfare mindset whenever I could think, right? When my head didn't hurt too bad. What I realized was I was wasting so much, not wasting, spending so much time fighting the enemy where I really needed to be fighting my apathy. Because I was getting lukewarm, I was getting complacent, I'd gotten to the point where I didn't even think of praying for a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Guys, apathy is the enemy. Don't let that consume you. Okay, a spirit of fear can take over, even as believers. A spirit of fear can take over where the enemy is the enemy, but remember, it's your apathy that fuels that. So that's the battle we got to fight. Okay, and guess who's going to help you do that? Hunter. No, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is going to help you do that. Okay, if we were called to depend. Okay, there are plenty of people who are going to persecute you in this life. Don't let yourself be one of them. Second Corinthians says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, we can. We have to guard our hearts, protect our thoughts, because the way you talk to yourself will ultimately dictate your actions 
and form the habits that shape you. The way we talk to ourselves is very important, right? That should probably be filled with a lot of God. Amen? Amen. So we must constantly be filled with the goodness of God. Constantly. When I, when I put things into perspective and I think about how Christians are martyred all across the world, I'm overwhelmed when realizing that despite the fact that they may be facing certain death, they are depending on the same Holy Spirit that you and I have access to. The same Holy Spirit that you and I walk with. The same one the apostles had. Jesus tells us in John 15, 20, Remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So persecution and hardships are not an option for us. It's not something we should try to avoid. It is a part of our legacy. It's a part of our legacy. It's a part of our destiny. So be encouraged that with the Holy Spirit, our persecution is a call for perseverance. He will give us the power to endure. He will give us the power to persevere through pain. And he will give us the courage to be bold and the right loved ones to be surrounded with, to encourage you when you can. You have to remember that he fights for us when we can't fight for ourselves. Even when you can't see it, I promise you he's working. When you can't see it, I promise you he's working. That leads us to our last point, and that's our persecution gives us purpose. So throughout this entire text, throughout this entire book, there is an underlying factor shining through every verse, and it's this. While Peter is preaching and miracles are happening, they begin facing persecution, but pay attention to what verse 4 says. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So like I said in the beginning, this is not, a, uh, it's not the happiest ending for the apostles, okay, with the way their lives end. But what this says is the work that they did was always worth it. Because people are being saved. Souls are being saved. Life change is happening all around. The reason we get to do what we do today is because they were bold enough to stand on their convictions and stand up for the truth. Okay? Their mission was successful. Their mission was successful because souls are getting saved. Okay? Uh, they asked... They ask him outright, how are you doing this? Peter, an uneducated man, how are you doing, uh, why are you preaching this resurrection and how are you doing these miracles? And he says directly that it's because Jesus came from back the dead, came back from the dead, and he is the only way to heaven. The one way. There is no other way, okay? It's not crystals around your neck. It's not some other form of spirituality. It's that Jesus is the only way to the kingdom of heaven. Follow him, and that's it. He does not shy away from anything else, from any, other, from any other religion. He doesn't try to conform to the culture that he's currently in. He says simply, Jesus is the only way. So when we preach this gospel with our actions in our daily lives, and when we live a life of genuine repentance, God shows up and then God shows off. Amen? Amen. This is why the religious leaders are angry, because when God speaks, his people will listen. Satan hates it. When we listen. Satan hates it when the Lord's people serve. He hates it when you pray. He hates it what you're doing right now. He hates it when you gather together. He hates it when we worship. When we're meeting in small groups. He hates all of it. He hates it when we give to the Multiply Building Initiative. Okay, Because in two years, we're going to have a new building that can change this city forever. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Revival is going to be normal. 
discipleship is going to run rampant. Okay, a new generation will be raised up to help carry the torch. Hallelujah. Satan hates it. We're doing something right. Satan hates it. That means we're doing something right. Okay, make no mistake. There will be hardships and there will be persecution. Okay, you can call me a wacky charismatic. Call me whatever you want. Okay, remember, just email me at Ethan Berwick is a human story. Okay, call me whatever you want. But I believe that the fever and the illness that I went through was a lot more spiritual than I think. Okay, I think everything is a lot more spiritual than we think. Okay, because the enemy hates what's happening here. Okay, not that I'm special. I'm just a 33-year-old man who calls himself the kid with a mustache. Okay, but Satan hates what's happening here. We're doing something right. This is how we face persecution. We don't fear the enemy. Does it ever say fear the enemy? No. It says be bold, be courageous, for the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with you. The reason I didn't name this sermon how to face persecution instead of hardships is because I believe our response as believers is the same. And that is to remember the mission and remember that you are not meant for this world. Okay, we have to accept that. When people are trying to break your faith, when you are targeted for your belief in Jesus, remember the words of our Savior, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If you aren't being persecuted, again, you're either new to the game or you're just not being bold yet. Okay, we got to get you being bold. We need you to be filled with the Holy Spirit to build up that courage. Because I feel it in the room. I feel it in this church. Courage is rising in believers. Amen? Amen. Amen. You have a whole entire church. We have 500 people who are willing to help you build that faith. And to give you the, the courage you need to face real hardship and real persecution. Okay? Um... As we're spreading the gospel, you can get discouraged, okay? Because uh, I know a lot of you in the room, you've been praying for somebody for a very long time. And God still hasn't answered. Okay, I just want you to remember that uh, Meredith and Chuck Ellis were praying for our pastor for 20 years before God grabbed a hold of him. My mom was praying for me for 28 years before God grabbed a hold of me. We don't save people. We just plant the seed. He will grow the harvest. Keep the faith. Do not stop praying. Amen? Amen? Do not stop praying. But also remember that it never says that the Sadducees or the high priest were saved. It never says they repented. It never says they came to the Lord. Okay, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Again, mic drop. I want to drop this mic so bad. I've been wanting to all day. I can't do it. Bree would get so mad at me. Uh, I need a fake mic just to drop. Uh, but if you think about it, the religious leaders had every, every option and every reason to believe. Why didn't they? Because they're choosing not to. They chose not to. It's right in front of your face. They had more evidence than some people experience in this lifetime. I'll tell you that. Okay, you're witnessing a man get up. You're hearing people and that their lives are getting changed and they're getting baptized in water. They still didn't believe because they didn't want to. These are the people we're going to face in our life too. Okay, do we stop praying for them? No. Do we stop planting that seed? No, but we don't make the soil. Okay, the Lord decides that. We just keep praying. You have to understand, this should give you some pieces, but help me. Um, really, really engages my old friend group a little bit better is that if they don't understand Jesus and they won't understand you, 
They won't understand you. Okay, you have something completely new, completely different. You have the Holy Spirit working inside you on a completely different path than everything else we see in today's culture. That's right. Since the day Redemption Church was planted, our mission has always been the same, that 5,000, right? That's, we exist to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child can experience life changed through Jesus. That has not changed. How do we accomplish this in the face of hardships? How did the apostles accomplish this in the face of persecution? Are you ready? It gets wild. There's a lot of things. 14 steps. I'm just kidding. Preach the gospel. <laughs> Preach the gospel. Not just behind the pulpit. Not just on a pub table. So comfortable. Okay? In your daily lives. With your actions. With the way you treat people. With the conversations you have. Preach and live the gospel. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Understand that there is always a purpose to facing this persecution, that reason is one more. You hear it all the time. Who's your one? Who's your one? It's one more disciple. One more soul saved. One more person in that tank getting baptized. It's one more loved one in your life that you've been praying for 20 years getting baptized. Amen? Hey, one more hunter sitting at the end of your bed. We all need that. We all need that. So if there are people overseas who are less privileged and dying for the sake of the gospel, that means we have a unique opportunity on this side to be the voices that make a difference. Don't take that for granted. We live in a broken world, and right now it's more broken than ever. Okay, We have corrupt politicians. Surprise. Newsflash. Right? Corrupt politicians. Uh, we have the media pushing evil. That's fun. Uh, our children are being targeted. And our voices are slowly being silenced. But God says we are the light that he has sent to face the darkness and that we have work to do. We must reflect God's love to the people outside of these walls. Okay? And stop at nothing to have one more. Okay? It doesn't matter if you can preach in tongues if you can't talk to your neighbor. Okay? That's what matters. What happens outside of these four walls? We are here to what? Be equipped. The saints need to be equipped to go outside and do the ministry of the work. Do not lose sight on your purpose, okay? Because there's a big difference when, when you see an addict who's finally healed, when you see a married couple on the brink of divorce fully restored, okay? When you see people being healed from lifelong injuries, okay, we do it for one more, one more. We have to be prepared, though. We can't be afraid to have these conversations. We can't be afraid to face opposition. Okay? So when you do, do not lose sight of your purpose and remember that there is a lamb inside of you willing to pay the price. There is a lion inside of you willing to roar when the time is right. Let him roar and watch who follows. That's what matters. Every trial you face, every wound you suffer, it all has a purpose because Jesus has already paid the price. He has already paid the price. I'm usually the first person to admit that I'm alone and then the last one to ask for help. Okay, don't be like me. Okay, don't grow out a mustache. Well, some of you, some of you guys rock it great. We're not designed to do this alone. We're designed to do it with each other and with help from the Holy Spirit. You don't have to fight by yourself. What makes our church so special that we don't back down when things get too tough. Amen? Amen. We aren't afraid to preach the truth. Amen? Amen? This means, in hindsight, the apostles actually did have a happy ending. 
because we're here today. There was a storm last night. Okay, we could have canceled church. We didn't. When things get tough, you know, that's our version of tough. We're going to adapt. We're going to overcome. Amen? Amen? That's what we're about. Their purpose was to start the greatest movement in human history. Because of their sacrifice, we have the privilege of serving the same mission today in the heart of this city. Reaching souls, helping lives get saved, watching God show off. Their persecution had a purpose. The people overseas, persecution has a purpose. Your persecution has a purpose. I want to share with you one thing that was uh, about my old group of friends again, okay? Upside down cross guy, that whole group, right? Uh, during this time, when I finally got the boldness to share my, to share my faith and talk about it, uh, there was one guy who did listen, okay? It's my best friend, Ronald. He's part of that same crew. He's from Austin. As, uh, they're as wild as you can get over there, you know? And... I was a, again, annoying baby Christian who would not shut up, but thank God Ronald was willing to listen. We'd talk every day on the phone for two hours, two hours a day, and I just could not shut up about Jesus. You fast forward to what that turned into. He decided to move back down here after visiting our church. He met his wife at my wedding, and now they have a son together as they serve their church, and that's, their son Miles, my godson, can one day be an absolute world changer because they're living the gospel. And because we're just planting seeds, amen? We're just planting seeds. So do not give up. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. Our life isn't meant to be easy, but it's meant to be fruitful. I thank God for that every day. Life is hard. It's not meant to be easy. But you were born for this battle. I'm not just telling you that because it sounds nice. I'm telling you that because it's what the Bible says. It's what God's word says, okay? You were born for this battle, and the entire kingdom of heaven is there to back you up. So are we. Amen.